Scripture. This is the point in time when the disciples themselves are in uh, the boat, and the Bible tells us that a storm came, and the winds were blowing, and the, uh, the waves were pushing, and they, they, they were uh, within that boat, and their cries came out. The Bible tells us that God came uh, to them walking upon that water. And uh, uh, as we know this passage, I want to bring you to this passage not to uh, tell us, uh, hopefully not to tell us what we already know, but to be able to look at this passage and say, Lord, what is it that you would have for me within this? May I say, oftentimes with familiar passages of Scripture uh, such as this, we often just see the one side of the picture. It's kind of like uh, I often see this side of the pulpit, whereas you see this side of the pulpit, uh, unless there's a plant that's there, but you would see this side of the pulpit, right? The idea of studying the passage is that we would get to see every side, amen? That we get to see the full picture. And uh, so that would be our goal for today. We're in Mark chapter 6, and if you can, we're going to be in two different passages, parallel passages with one another. Mark chapter 6 and also Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, if you want to keep your finger or a bookmark in both of those places, and this will help us to stay along with one another. Uh, if I could ask, I know uh, we've got a live stream, a number of people that like to watch. Could we turn these lights on back here? Uh, if one of the men could flip those on for me. And uh, just so we, there we go. And that really brightens it up. It's wonderful. And uh, just so are those who are watching. And by the way, you know, I didn't mention a moment ago, but we do have our sermons available on audio now. Uh, if, you, uh, if you're familiar with Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, you work on the farm, you drive a truck, uh, you, you don't always make it to all the services, you can now listen to our services by audio by searching Community Bible Church, Norfolk, Nebraska, and we'll come right up. I want to encourage you, uh, if you are not able to make it to all the services, uh, catch those. They're available for you. Sunday night services, Wednesday night services, and uh, also the Sunday morning are there for you. We're in Mark chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 14. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 45, and Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. We're beginning in Mark. We're beginning in Mark. Look at verse 45. The Word of God says, In straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. I want you to notice with me uh, in verse number uh, 48. The Word of God tells us that when he saw them toiling in rowing, the wind was contrary unto them. That word toiling has the idea of, uh, the literal uh, idea of being tortured. Uh, they're, they're, they're literally in such a, uh, a, an expression of frustration and aggravation and, and, uh, and, and upsetting in their own spirit. The Bible tells us they're toiling, they're, they're scared, uh, they're, they're fearful. The Bible tells us that the winds were contrary to them. They're pushing up against them. In Matthew chapter 14, in verse number 24, the Bible describes the waves as tossing, these tossed about waves. You say, why are we looking at both of these passages? It helps us to understand from the aspects, from the, from the eyes of each of the disciples as they wrote the Gospels, they, this is what they observed. This is what stood out to them. With Mark, he describes the toiling. In Matthew, he describes the waves. And we see that the, the, the wind was contrary to them in, in the book of Mark. And uh, understand, these are active fishermen. Uh, these men have been out on sea uh, more than one time in their life. This is not their first rodeo. 
Uh, they've done it a number of times. Uh, they they uh, would know the sea better than your average individual. And whereas all these men are on this boat and they're fearful for their lives, they're fearful for what would happen in the midst of the storm, it helps us to understand that this was no small storm. I want you to understand that God in his power and love can bring the peace, uh, uh, can, can bring peace to our lives from the storm. Amen? God can bring peace to the storm. I don't know about you, but uh, in, when I, as living the Christian life, there are storms that I go through in life. Do we not go through storms? Any of you go through storms? Am I the only one who goes through difficult times? Yes, we all go through storms in life. The Bible tells us God can bring that peace. Some of you would say, I know that because I know God has brought me peace. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. May that be a testimony uh, that, that you have to others. The Bible tells us that God, uh, when he sees the storm, he sees the other side of the storm. Hey, when we see the storm, we see the thunder, the lightning, the rain. We see the waves. We see the contrariness of it all working up against us. But God sees the other side. Amen. And God is the one who can bring that peace. Now, we're not talking about particularly uh, God's peace, which he brings. But I want you to notice what, uh, what the Word of God continues in Mark chapter 6 to say concerning the disciples. In verse 49, the Bible says, And when they saw him walking upon the sea... They supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. And they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship. And the wind increased, and they were uh, sore afraid in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Verse 52. And they considered not the miracles of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. If you were to study Mark chapter 6, you would find that just prior to this event that God had done the great miracle of the loaves and the two fishes, five loaves and two fishes and feeding the thousands, uh, they had just seen a great miracle of God. They had just seen something only God could do. Uh, and the Bible tells us in, in, in all that we often focus of, the, of this particular um, story of the disciples on the boat, the Bible summarizes or and ends upon this thought when giving us the story in verse 52 the bible says they considered not the miracles of the loaves for their hearts of hardened i've entitled this message this morning considering not the miracles of god considering not the miracles of god now, let me remind you that it was not just the 12 disciples who we often so hear referenced that were with jesus there were many disciples whom were there we don't know maybe necessarily exactly who was on the ship at that time, but we know that they were disciples and or followers of Jesus Christ. We also know that those two people had followed uh, Jesus, including the 5,000 whom he had fed, and including, uh, including the others who were there and present at the time of being given those, uh, those five loaves and two fishes. They saw a very miracle of God. Notice what the Bible says in Mark chapter 6 and verse number uh, 40. Mark 6, verse 40, And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. When he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. The Bible tells us uh, in, in uh, this passage that they saw God pass up those loaves. They saw the increase. They saw the miracle. They saw that God was doing something wonderful. And may I say, as Christians, we can see the miracles of God at the point in time in which they happen. But here's where the rubber meets the road. Do we continue 
to remember that God is a God of miracles? Do we continue to remember that God can do miracles within our life? Yes, God brings us out of the storms. Yes, God provides uh, uh, when we pray to him. Yes, uh, God does, uh, does things within his church. Uh, when, we, when we make a big push and we pray and we ask the Lord, Lord, we have an electric fund and we're seeking to, to raise this money, bring the blessing, Lord. Lord, we're seeking to have a bus route, bring the blessing. Lord, we're trying to have a kids club. We're going to have teen activities. We're going to have all these different things. Lord, you bring the blessing. You bring the people. You bring the finance. We say, God, wow, praise the Lord. Look at all the people. Wow, praise the Lord. Look at all the finances. Wow, look at the full auditorium today. We say, wow, look, God is doing something. But then we go about our daily lives and we consider not the miracles of God. Amen? I wonder how many of us would be honest before God enough to say, you know what? I allowed myself to forget what God can do. Maybe just this week. Maybe just yesterday. Maybe it was, uh, it, it's been for a while. And God would be working in your heart this morning. The Bible says they consider not the miracles of the globe. You consider what God can do in your life. Hey, do you, do you dwell upon what God has done in your life? I try to encourage uh, as many people as possible uh, within the church here. Sometimes uh, there's, a, there's a concern, and I say, you know what? Hey, look at what God is doing. Yes, it is a concern. Sometimes it's a good problem. <laughs> but, but hey, let's look at what God has done. I'm thankful to the Lord that just a couple weeks ago we had 16 riders on our bus routes. Amen? I'm thankful to the Lord that we've raised uh, the money that we have for the project fund, and they've already sprayed down lines and getting ready for digging out here in the yard. Amen? I'm thankful for the, the number of people we've had come on our Wednesday night group. We've been filling up a van, and we've been having a kids club full, and the workers are telling me, hey, we've got more kids come. This is exciting. I'm thankful for the 18 teenagers who were there last night for our youth activity. God is blessing in those ways, but may I say it's easy, Christian, to consider not those miracles and to stare at the storm. Amen? Hey, there's, all, there's, there's always storms. There's always things which we don't understand. There's always things that are frustrating. There's always things which we have to work through. But understand this, God knows the storm. God can bring the peace. Some people say, oh, well, you don't understand. It's so-and-so that's bringing the storm into my life. Let me tell you, God's behind the storm. Amen? God's behind the storm. There's nothing that happens in your life that God is not orchestrating behind the scenes. There's nothing that happens upon this earth that God does not allow to happen. Uh, I, I've never agreed with the statement that somebody says, oh, my goodness, uh, Satan is just really working against me. He's really working against me. Well, the truth of the matter is, if you're really staying faith with the Lord and keeping your eyes upon him, Satan's not going to work against you. Amen? Now, look, hey, when Satan does something against you, God can allow it to happen. But Satan's going to have no victory over you if you've equipped yourself with the armor of God. You just heard about that just this last week. You've equipped yourself against the very temptation, the very working of Satan against your life. The Bible tells us that the storms which come into our life, in more than one case, are often brought by God. You know, sometimes the very storms, I don't know what storms and what form they could come in for you, but the things that you don't understand are, are things which God is bringing you through, catch this, in order to draw you closer to himself. Amen? In order to keep a more open mind, maybe. In order to broaden your thinking. In order to say, you know what? Praise God for what he is doing and what he still can do. You know, we can, we can be such, uh, let's be honest, we can be so negative before the Lord. Lord, take away the storm. <laughs> Lord, take the storm out of my life. You know what the truth of the matter is? We just say, God, bring the storm into my life. Because when the storm is there, it's then that I'm strengthened. When the storm is there, it's then that I'm stretched. 
When the storm is there, it's then that I'm brought out of myself. My pride is lowered. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm brought to remembrance of all that you can do. The Bible says the disciples, they considered not the miracles. Let me ask you, are you considering what God is doing in your life? Are you considering what God is doing in this church? Are you considering what God is doing in your family? Are you considering the work of God in every area of your life? The Bible says they considered it not. I want to give to you some, some things that the Word of God tells us uh, of where the disciples failed to consider. What did they fail to consider? Number one, notice with me, they considered not God's power. They considered not God's power. Look at verse 45. We will be back in Matthew, so keep your finger there. Verse 45 of Mark chapter 6, the Word of God tells us that God has power to send. God has power to send. Verse 45, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. That's a very profound word in the sense of using, we don't often say uh, we were constrained by something. Constrained means literally to compel or to drive by force. So God is literally forcing them. Why? Because they were not willing to go. They wanted to stay there. The Bible says that God constrained them to get into the ship. They said, why get into the ship? We want to stay with you. In our minds, this seems perfectly right. In our minds, this seems perfectly uh, just what we need. And God says, I've got a will for you. I've got a purpose for you. He constrains them by force. He strongly, lovingly, by the hand of God, let me tell you, that our, our God is not a God who does not speak the truth in love. Amen? And our God is not a God who is so uh, angry that, that he was so forcing himself that he literally pushed and shoved. No, God in his love, he constrained them. It was so said in such a commanding sense. They said, wow, we need to go. God's telling us to go. I don't know how many times as a Christian we forget about God's power in sending us. Amen? I wonder if, it, if you, maybe there's someone here this morning who God has been laying upon your heart, maybe even calling you, maybe to go to the mission field. Amen, Brother Armstead? Go to the mission field. Maybe God would have you uh, and your family to pack your things up, to leave your possessions, to go and, and reach some country, some village, some place in the world. And maybe you're here today and, and God would call you and say, you know what, I know that God has given me the gift to be able to teach a Sunday school class. It's God's will that I use my gifts and talents and abilities. Hey, maybe you're here today and say, I know that God has given me a love for children. I'm going to look for an area that God can use me to work with children, to minister to children. Maybe you're a people person today, and you've always been. You say, you know what, God's given me that gift. Maybe it would be that you need to go knock on some doors and win some souls to Jesus Christ. People you've never met, you've never talked to, but you're able to break the ice with them. Let me tell you, God's power to sin. We don't always understand why God brings the storm. Brother Michael, could you sit him up? Uh, just out of respect for the word of God, I need you to sit up for me, okay? It, 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 God's power to send is in our lives. He has a will, amen? God has a will for our lives. We don't always understand that will. We don't always understand that purpose. But God knows. God knows. The Bible tells us in verse 46, as he sent them away, the disciples not willing to go, they're uh, by force by the Lord, God gives us this understanding that when you pursue the will of God for your life, when you pursue the will of God in your life, uh, you, are, uh, you are not uh, pushing back at the constraining of God. I don't know how many of us Christians have pushed back the will of God. God constrains us and we say, uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. 
I've seen it happen with teenagers as a youth pastor and working in Texas. The uh, teenagers reach that 12th grade and they're getting ready to go off to college and, and uh, they know what God's will is for them. And you can see the resistance to their own spirit of knowing what they should do, but they do what somebody else tells them to do instead. Or they go to a college because somebody else is there instead and not for the purpose of God. And they say that happens with all of us as Christians. Amen? God has a will for our lives. He constrains us to go, and we say, ah, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do that. What is God constraining you to do? What is God constraining you to do? What is God's will for your life? Let me tell you what God's will is not. God's will is not for us to do nothing as Christians. You say, well, I'm coming to church. Well, church isn't everything. Amen? Yes, it's commanded by God, but church, church doesn't make you suddenly... Uh, all living in obedience to God. Are you doing absolutely everything you can to be used to the Lord to pursue His will for your life? I can tell you this, what the will of God is. The Bible says and, and, and that the will of God is for our sanctification, that we stay clean before God. Hey, it's not God's will that you live in sin. You're here this morning, you've got some sin in your life. What's sin? It's anything that goes against the Word of God. You've got something in your life that's not right. It's not God's will for your life that you continue living in that way. Say, well, I don't understand, uh, Pastor Miller, because you're trying to tell me about these storms. And how could God truly be behind the storm? God is behind it. Maybe it is that God is trying to bring you to himself. Maybe it's simply that God is trying to help you understand that, hey, my will for your life is the very thing that you are, are being resistant of. My will for your life is the very thing that you're saying, oh, I know, I know, this isn't what, what's for me. This isn't right for me. This isn't the way it should be. God knows. God knows the will for your life. His power to sin. The Bible tells us that God sends us. Let me just uh, give you one other thing along this area of sending. God sends all of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? We've all been given that command. I was just sharing with somebody yesterday what a difference Community Bible Church could make we all committed just one to two hours a month, just one to two hours a month to knock on doors of people we don't know and invite them out to church, share the gospel with them. Just one to two hours. Hey, Christian, some of us hardly even give that. Some of us hardly give that. Say, oh, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. I don't have time for that. God constrains. God constrains. What's the will of God for you? Hey, we will all be the first to say amen. Amen. Give the gospel. Yes, send the missionaries out. Give our finances to go. We don't do a thing. The, the command goes to us too. Amen? The command goes to us also. Hey, I'm thankful for, for there, there are some here I know within the church that have, have been faithful to the Lord. And, and no matter their age or the time which they have, they make the time. They're not even always able to make it, but they make the time and the effort to go and win others to Christ, to go encourage others in the Lord. To share the love of Christ? May that be what we do, all of us, each of us as Christians, to consider the miracle that God can do through us. Say, God can never do anything through me. Oh, Christian, you're so wrong. There's no telling what God can do through your life when you yield yourself to Him. Amen? There is no telling what God can do through your life when you yield yourself to Him. You're simply saying, God, I know what you can do. God, I'm yielding myself before you. God, I've surrendered myself before you. Use me. 
Ask God how you can make it work. Hey, Christian, I want to challenge you, encourage you. If, if, you, uh, if you, maybe you say, I, I've not been one that's very comfortable talking to people I don't know to win, the, win others for Christ, to share the gospel with other people, I would encourage you, let's schedule a time. You and I, let's go out and knock doors. Hey, schedule a time with my wife. You and her can go out. I'll watch the baby. That's okay. Hey, God, God has given us a command. Amen? God has given us a command. There is not an exception. The Bible says that God constrains us. It's God's will for us to go, not God's will for us to work, to sit, to play. Hey, everything under the sun, the Bible tells us. Saul, Solomon said, I've done everything under the sun, and I find all in the end it's vanity. We just talked about this morning about our giving in Sunday school. The Bible tells us when we give to God, the book of Luke tells us when we give to God, God will give to you uh, without measure, abundantly, pressed down, shaken up, the Bible tells us. That means that when you give all of yourself to God and you're doing everything you can to surrender to Him, even in a small little thing, even if it's one to two hours, even if it's once in a month, even if it's once and twice a month, it, but you're giving all you can to God, and no matter area, if it's giving the gospel, if it's teaching a Sunday school, if it's working on a bus route, if it's winning your neighborhood, if it's, it's winning the people at your workplace, if it's sharing the gospel with, your, with your, uh, your, your boss at work, maybe it's winning your family to Christ, uh, no matter who it is, what it is, in what form, the Bible tells us that God can use you if you consider what he can do for you. Consider his miracles. You say, well, you don't understand what I've been through in life. God can never use me. I'll send you, you're so wrong. The Bible tells us, yes, we all are sinners. Yes, we all need Christ. But none of us are unable to be used by God. Yes, there are some areas that we would maybe be disqualified to serve the Lord in maybe in a church service. But hey, that doesn't mean that you can't tell others about Christ. But hey, that doesn't mean that God hasn't forgiven you because the Bible, my Bible, I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible tells me that God's forgiven all. Amen? The Bible tells us that God's power to sin. God sends every one of us. God sends every one of us. They considered not his power in his sending. Number two, his power in prayer. His power in prayer, look at verse 46. The Bible says, in straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship, and, and he, the Bible tells us at the end of the verse, he departed into a mountain to pray. Verse 46, he sent them away, and he departed into a mountain to pray. God's power in prayer. You see, if the disciples only knew God's power in prayer, they would, they would have been praying to God within the ship rather than toiling and rowing in the waves that crashed while they were with me. Oftentimes, God brings us through the storm and we forget to pray. We forget God's power in prayer. We forget the times that God has answered the prayers. We forget the times that God has blessed in the prayers. We forget that God can answer those prayers. And yet we stare at the storm and we forget the work of God. The Bible says they considered not power in prayer. I used to work with our uh, flag football team in Texas, and I'd often see the boys uh, in, on the football team. Uh, they, right before the game, they'd always huddle together and they'd pray. And I remember challenging them one day. Uh, they, they'd pray, and they'd say, Lord, give us the victory. We pray that you be given all the honor and glory. And then when they win the game, they're all hooping and hollering, and hands are in the air, and they're, they're giving hugs, and they're shaking hands. And I said, hey, guys, you just, God just answered your prayer. Give God the blessing. Give God the glory. Continue in prayer. 
We consider not even the little things. You say, oh, is it really a miracle of God if, if they won the ball game? That's not the point. The point is this. When you pray to God, are you praying to God to answer the prayer and then giving him the glory behind, after it and giving him the credit for it? Considering that he will answer it. And let me tell you, considering that he will answer it in his Listen to these verses, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. The Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. If we ask anything according to his will. Some people stop and say, if we ask anything, well, I asked God, why didn't he do it? Why didn't he answer it? According to his will. It may not be the will of God that your prayer be answered right away. It may not be the will of God that storm be taken away right away. But the Bible tells us that God will answer those prayers in his time, and that he does hear us, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. God cares for you. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, the Bible tells us that men ought always to pray and not faint. May we always be in prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. We're being constant in prayer. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 we know the verse. We've read it many times. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves in what? Pray. And sometimes we look right over those first few words where God says, if my people. God's not talking about the non-Christian to have reviving. God's not talking about the non-Christian to pray. God's not talking about souls coming to know, through, coming to know Christ through this verse. God's saying, if my people... Those who already know me, humble themselves and pray. Somebody says, why can't we have revival in America? Why aren't we seeing revival in this world? The Bible says, Christians, humble yourselves and pray. Why won't God take away the storms, the things which I don't understand? Humble yourselves and pray. God is speaking to his people. Have we considered God's power in prayer? How we consider what God can do? Somebody says, why the forest fires? Why the hurricanes? Why the riots? Why, why, why the, the battle in politics? Why the lies? Why the deceit? Why all these things? Consider God's power in prayer. Amen? Consider what God can do when we pray. Notice with me, thirdly, his power to see. His power to see. Verse 48. The Bible tells us, Mark chapter 6, verse 48, that he saw them toiling in Rome. He saw them. In Matthew chapter 14, if you want to flip back there, and look at verse number 25. Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 25. The Word of God says, In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. The Bible tells us that Jesus went unto them. Jesus came to them. Jesus saw them. Jesus knew what it was that they were going through. The Bible says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. God knows what it is that we're going through. God has chosen to come to us. His desire is that, that, that uh, we come to him, but let me tell you, he's already coming to us. He's waiting for you. As a, as a prodigal son and his father stood, the Bible says, his arms being open, he waited for his son. God comes to us. He waits with open arms. Run to me. You're in the storm. Run to me. You don't understand. Run to me. Consider my miracles. I see what you're going through. I know what you're going through. I'm behind it all. The Bible says Jesus went unto them. He saw them toiling and rowing. Psalm 147, verse 5, the Bible says, Great is our Lord and of great power. 
His understanding is infinite. Praise God for his power. Amen? Praise God he knows all things. Praise God he's behind all things. Praise God he's in control of all things. But may we as Christians consider, consider those miracles. May we as Christians consider his power. Let me give you the second thing. Not only did they not consider his power, but they considered not his passion. They considered not his passion. Look with me back in Mark chapter 6, your finger kept in Matthew 14. Mark 6, verse 48, the Bible tells us, He saw them toiling and rowing, and he cometh unto them. Matthew 14, verse 26, in that parallel passage, the Bible tells us, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. They considered not his passion. I want you to understand, first of all, God's availability to come. God's availability to come. God's always ready. God's always willing. I mentioned that a moment ago. John 15, 16, the Bible tells us that, uh, that I have chosen you. You have not chosen me. That your food should remain. This is God's desire for our life. Do you see the, hand, the working hand of God beyond every positive on every negative thing. God's availability to come. The unfortunate thing is, is they didn't recognize God. May I say, when we consider not the miracles of God, we'll stop recognizing them. We consider, when we consider not the miracles of God in life, we stop recognizing that it's He who's orchestrating it. Many times we start blaming. Many times we start accusing. Uh, many times we just start pointing that finger and God says, I'm here. I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you. And God walks upon the very thing that the storm, the very thing that in their eyes was part of the storm is what God is walking on. And they say, God uses the very things that in our eyes are storms. In God's eyes, he says, this is wrong. You're supposed to me. The Bible says God's ability to come. Number two, God's patience in waiting. God's patience in waiting. Verse 48, the Bible tells us that he would have passed by. This is an interesting passage. Some people would say, oh, well, uh, God didn't really care. Well, God did care. He was coming to them. The Bible says he went to them and he would have passed by. I want you to understand what does this phrase mean? It means that God does not force himself on you. And amen for that. Amen? God does not force us to walk in the water by faith and come to him. God gives us the choice. God does not force us to come to him in prayer. God gives us the choice. God does not force us to remember the miracles that he brings in our life. God gives us the choice. We've got to choose to consider the miracles. The Bible tells us they considered not his passion. God in his love, God in his care, who is available to come, and he was patient in waiting. He was patient in waiting. He was available to come, and he was patient in waiting. I'm thankful for the long-suffering of Christ. First, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us work, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, God is so patient with all mankind that when we sin against him, when that very first sin took place in the garden and all men inherited the sin that Adam and Eve first did in that garden, when we 
sin before God, God did not destroy us and end our life right in that moment. That's the long-suffering of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. He continues to allow us to live. But why? That we would consider his miracle. But why should we consider that we would share with others? Amen? That we would see God's working hand within our life. Christian, may I encourage you, don't dwell upon the storm. Dwell upon the miracles. Don't dwell upon the difficulties. Dwell upon what God is doing. Don't look at the petty things. Look at the miracles. God's doing a wonderful work in each and every one of our lives. Let me tell you, God is doing a wonderful work here at Community Bible Church, and He can continue to do a work if we see what He can do through us. If we have the passion that God has, if we look at the storm through the eyes of Christ, if we see that God is behind it all, the Bible tells us God's power is 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 so well beyond what we could ever understand, that God's passion is so well beyond that we could ever hardly grasp. We understand his availability to come. His patience is waiting. Number three, God's hand of protection. Look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. Matthew 14, verse 28. The Bible tells us, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were come into the ship, the wind I want you to understand, Peter took his eyes off the Lord and he put them on the storm. Hey, you want to consider the miracles of God? You keep your eyes on Jesus. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that our eyes would be looking upon Christ all through our life. We'll stop seeing the storm. We'll stop seeing the petty things. We'll stop seeing the frustrating things. And we'll say, God, you're in control. God, you know. Somebody says, oh, well, you don't understand uh, my family. Oh, well, you don't understand uh, my finances. Oh, you don't understand uh, my... God knows. No matter what you're going through, God knows. God knows all things. God understands all things. God's with us in all things. God's desire for your life is that you would keep your eyes upon Him. Well, my this, my that, no. Look at God. Well, my that, no. Look at Christ. Amen? And our eyes stay upon the Lord. And our eyes stay upon Christ. Let me give you the last thing here. The Bible tells us they considered not his peace. They considered not his peace. I mentioned this at the beginning uh, of the message here this morning. In verse 52 of Mark chapter 6, the word of God says, And he went unto them in the ship, and the wind ceased. They did not consider God's peace. You understand, in Mark chapter 6, the Bible tells us in verse 42, after the wind has passed, that they considered not those miracles. Even after God had brought the peace, they still considered not the miracles. And they say, how many times is it that God does a work right before our very eyes, and rather than keeping our eyes upon Christ and upon his miracles, we're turning around looking at the storm. Amen? The Bible says, they considered not these miracles. God's peace. I want you to understand the peace of God removes all sorrow. In verse 50, the Bible says, Be of good cheer, 
it is I. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28 and 29, describe it this way, where Jesus says, uh, the word of God says, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. God says, come. God says, be of good cheer. God says, it is I. I'm behind it. You find peace in me. You find rest in me. It will remove all fear. It will remove all sorrow. It will remove all frustration. They considered not his peace. The peace of God removes all sorrow. Number two, the peace of God removes all fear. He says, be not afraid. Matthew chapter 14, verse 30 describes the incident this way. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Why did Peter fear that he could not be saved? Because he began to look at the storm. Why does worry come into our life because we start looking at the storm? Why are we afraid because we don't know the outcome of something because we start looking at the storm? Why, why, do, we, uh, why do we come to these points in our life? It's because we consider not the miracles of God. Christian, are you here this morning and you've not been considering the miracles of God? Amen. Hey, when you're constantly considering the miracles of God, you can't help but draw, draw the attention to Christ in every conversation, in your very presence, the way you carry yourself, the way you smile, the, the way you sing, the way you quote scripture, the way you spend time with people. You won't be able to help but share the love of Christ. They considered not his peace, that peace which removes all sorrow, that peace which removes all fear, Number three, that peace which removes all doubt. John chapter 14, verse 27, the Bible says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hey, you're worried, you're frustrated, you're depressed. Don't find your answer in a, in a counselor, in some video, in, 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 some, uh, in, in some friend. Find your peace and your comfort in God. Amen? Run to Him. Keep your eyes on him. Stop looking at the storm. Look at God. Look at what God is doing. Look what Christ can do. Let Christ work within your life. The peace of God removes all doubt. You see, Peter now, after walking on the water and God grabbing his hand and God coming to him, Peter now understands that all the weeping and all the worrying which he had done just quietly on that boat was his doubt in God. And Christian, the very opposite of considering not the miracles of God is doubting the very opposite of considering not what God can do in your life is doubting what he can do. Every time you fret, you worry. You doubt God's ability. Christian, how about you? Have you considered his miracles? Have you considered his power, his passion, his peace? Have you considered what God has done and still can do? Have you considered how that God can use you? I don't know if your heart is convicted as mine is in, in studying this passage, but how many times God does wonderful things right before my very eyes and I give no attention to it. It's very possible, maybe right here in Community Bible Church, God's doing things right before your very eyes and you're, you're staring at something else rather than keeping your eyes on Christ and what God is doing. Maybe it's very possible in your home that God is trying to do something in your life and you've got your eyes off Christ, and you're staring at the storm, and you're not keeping your eyes on Him. 
And it's very possible you are facing a bind in your finances. Maybe you can't pay the rent. Maybe you can't pay the house. Maybe you're struggling with the car. Maybe you're, you're trying to keep everything balanced. You're, you're discouraged. God says, God can bring the peace. Amen. God can bring peace. May we as Christian individuals see his power, his passion, his peace. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning, this time of invitation. We pray that you would be given all honor, glory, and credit in everything that we do and everything that we say. Lord, we ask that you would do a special working this morning uh, in our invitation together. If you're here this morning, I just want to talk with you 